This episode of Standard Orbit is brought to you by Audible.com, offering more than 180,000 titles for smartphone, tablet, and desktop. To get a free audiobook of your choice and help Trek FM at the same time, visit audibletrial.com slash trekfm. And also by Enterprise in Space, an international program for the nonprofit National Space Society. Find out how you can help science and education and become a virtual crew member aboard the NSS Enterprise Orbiter by visiting enterpriseinspace.org. Want to join the conversation and share your thoughts on this episode? Join the Babel Conference, our listeners group on Facebook. Just type B-A-B-E-L into the Facebook search field. We look forward to seeing you there. My name is Nicholas Meyer, director of Star Trek 2 and 6, and you are listening to Standard Orbit on Trek FM. Risk is our business. It's like nothing we've dealt with before. My golly, Jim, I'm beginning to think I can cure a rainy day. I can't change the laws of physics. Now in standard orbit, sir. Welcome, everyone, to Standard Orbit, Trek FM's dedicated podcast that covers the original and new cast of Captain Kirk and the Enterprise. I'm Ken Tripp. And I am Zach Moore, and we are here recording on star date 201811.18. Is that correct, Ken? That's how I understand it should work, yes. Excellent. So we're, we're going to be talking about star dates in this week's episode. Now, Ken, what do you what do you think of star dates? Like, like do you like the fact they invented or at least they attempted to invent this uh, mathematical formula of telling you when Star Trek took place? Well, you know, for many, many years, it, it was really kind of a benign thing. You know, just, uh, okay, we're in outer space. Uh, time is... I, I, I wouldn't even know how they would keep it, to be honest with you, knowing what happens, you know, beyond light speed and all that other stuff. But yeah, mm. <laughs> I, uh, I, I didn't really care much about it. And then I think it was when one of the TOS movies were coming out, they actually, this was um, a long time ago, they actually made it so, just like you said, where, you know, you had the, the, the year, the month, and then the day was the decimal. And I went, oh, is that how it works? And I looked back and went, no, that's not how it works no. at all. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, so that, that was an invention of the Kelvin timeline. Star Trek 09 created that way, and that was the first time that actually made any sense. Are you positive on that? I am 99% positive. Uh, my yeah, one I, my 1% is only because you question it. <laughs> I question it only because when one of the original TOS came out, that was that was in a promo somewhere, and, and mm. the date made sense. And I know that Calvin Timeline did it. I just I, I, I seem to have remembered it being well before that. It could have been Star Trek four or five or so, something along those lines. They didn't do it in the movie or anything. They just said, you know, um, opens on star date, whatever, and you go, oh, June 24th, whatever, that type of thing. So, ah, okay. I, I well, could be I, wrong. We'll see. You know, every time you've challenged me, you've been right. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I'm going to leave that one percent possibility that I might be wrong because you know, you know we're we're all human here. So uh, allow the possibility where I might be in error. All right. Well, you should do it more like Spock does. You know, well the odds are one point two seven eight nine percent that I'm wrong or something like that, but, <laughs> or that I'm anyway. right. Oh, but it, well, for me, it's 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 definitely the other way around. Where there you yeah, go. I'm right. Well, I, I and uh, you know to that point, I really liked how they made the star dates that way in Star Trek Nine because you understood it. You're like, yep. okay, 
this makes sense. Uh, and they even make a joke about how it didn't make sense because Kirk, you know, when Kirk's on Delta Vega, uh, allegedly Delta Vega, but that's its own conversation. Mm-hmm. He's like, he's <laughs> like, it's Stardate 2230, whatever. You know, it's like, okay, we're, we're over that, people. You get it. But it's that's a nice, I, I, I found that very funny because it's like, look, guys, we understand that this is kind of just, it's gobbledygook. But in the in the Star Trek universe, this is such a thing. And so many fans have gone to great lengths to try and organize the Star Trek universe in Stardate order. Now, I've joked about and something, and the idea for this episode kind of spun on me talking to people about watching Star Trek in production order or air date order, you know? And just to mm-hmm. screw with people, I'm like, I, I don't I don't even do that. I watch them in Stardate order, right? And people are like, ah, ha, ha, ha. but I was like, you know, what if you really did watch them <laughs> in Stardate order? What would that look like? So there have been people out there that have made lists, and we'll get into that in a second. But I do want to mention, like you, like you were saying, Kim, when they first conceived Stardates, there was no... Mm-hmm. you know, mathematical formula for this thing. In the actual Star Trek guide that they gave to the writers in the original yes. series, this mm-hmm. is what they said. They said, quote, pick any combination of four numbers plus a percentage point. Use it as your story start date. For example, 1313.5 is 12 o'clock noon on one day, and 1314.5 would be noon the next day. Each percentage point is roughly equivalent to one-tenth of one day. The progression of star dates in your script should remain consistent, but don't worry about whether or not there is a progression from other scripts. Star dates are mathematical formula, which varies depending on location in the galaxy, velocity of travel, and other factors. can vary wildly from episode to episode. So that's kind of their out, like you mentioned earlier, Ken, going around space and, you know, uh, warp speed Mm -hmm. and... Uh, distance and all that stuff that is kind of like a catch-all explanation of why these things don't line up in certain instances we'll we'll find out that they don't in a minute but you know uh, later on down the road gene ronberry was talking about the star dates and this is what he had to say quote when we began making episodes we would use a star date such as 2317 one week and then a week later we made the next episode we would move the star date up to 2942 and so on Unfortunately, however, the episodes were not aired in the same order in which we filmed them, so we began to get complaints from the viewers asking, how come one week the start date is 2891, and the next week is 2337, and the week after is 3414? You know, so even back mm-hmm. then, right, fans were writing in saying, this is wrong. So I can't imagine if the internet was around back in the 60s, <laughs> you know, the kind of people that would be making, like, Venn diagrams and documents. That kind of thing. So I, I think that's funny that even back then in the 60s, they were getting fan mail about the quote-unquote inaccuracy of star dates. That, that is something I would never have thought ha- would have happened. It, you know, you get a lot of mixed, um, you know, if you, if you read some of the more recent books, they tell you that Star Trek was more popular than it was and that the ratings were better than they were. All kinds of things, right? And and you know, like the the letter writing campaign to keep it on, you know, was was hugely successful. So you knew there were X amount of fans. But yeah, that kind of surprises me. Uh, I watching it as a kid, maybe not old enough to really care much or get into the details like I did when you know I was a teenager or later. Uh, I, I guess I could see it, I, but that does surprise me that people wrote emails like that into the show. Um, because if you look at the list that you showed me and you go back through the seasons, they really didn't make a huge effort to try to follow the formula. I mean, it doesn't seem to me that production order and chronological order, if you were to, if you were to switch it just to production order, 
it would it would be right and it's not well, really well, right. Well, yeah, that, that's the thing. He says that, oh, well, you know, because they did their own order, it was different. There mm-hmm. are inconsistencies even in production order and even yeah. years later. And that's the kind of stuff I want to jump around and talk about, and we can wrap back around at the end. But so the, this list that you mentioned, uh, mm-hmm. all things to Star Trek list dot blogspot.com and this is a uh, article that came out in 2011 all right so we're in, deep in the archives of the internet here mm-hmm. so if, if you want the actual url url to this list i will read it for you here star trek list doc blogspot dot com slash 2011 slash 04 slash list dash of dash all dash star dash trek dash episodes dash sorted dot html so there you go Makes yeah, about as much sense of a star date there. <laughs> that, that's pretty good. Um, please, I hope you're not trying to type that as you drive. And um, yeah, maybe we'll put it in the show notes. <laughs> <laughs> that would be a more logical thing to do. <laughs> so anyway, there you have it, guys. Um, so this is a very impressive list and overwhelming, I would say, mm-hmm. uh, list because it takes all Star Trek episodes and puts them in star date order. And you just scrolling through here, you know, uh, there are. This shows you that even when you do it that way, there are some errors. Like for example, and the big one to me is because I consider the animated series canon. All right, I consider mm-hmm. it the fourth and fifth years of the five year mission. If you want, really want to look at it that way, in my head, canon. Right, where no man has gone, has gone before is like before the five year mission, and then you have the five years on the Enterprise mm-hmm. proper, and you have the three seasons of TOS and the two seasons of TAS. I mean, is that kind of how you look at it, Ken? Or yeah, I, I, I guess that's correct. I, You know me when it comes to using the word canon and stuff. I always kind of, eh. But I, I do. I, I, I mean, it's it, it was there, and um, there's some pretty good episodes. So, yeah, and, and you know what? That, that canon, so to speak, has manifested itself in future series and movies. Uh, mm-hmm. from, you know, so the animated series definitely is counted, right. I think. Uh, you know, I just have to be honest. And other than what I learned from Aaron Harvey's show— you know, I I wasn't I didn't pay that close attention to it. You know, I watched it more recently, and it's you know to me it's very mixed. Mm-hmm. Well, so for it has gone back and forth about being canon or not over the years, which which is amusing. But mm-hmm. well, what uh, did Roddenberry say? Well, Rod, see Roddenberry, he 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 went back and forth on it, and uh-huh. uh, and then a lot of I believe Richard Arnold, who was or, or Richard was that his name? I don't. Yeah, recall. that's right, Richard okay. Arnold. Yeah, his he assistant, was, he, yeah. his guy. He he pretty much deemed it non-canon, like in the eighties at some point. But there was a whole other factor about, like, oh, well, the filmation was involved in this, and Paramount owns that. So there, I think there was illegal things involved. And there was kind of – but he also – let's think about this. He also said that Star Trek V was apocryphal, okay? And Star Trek V is canon, right? I don't know. You can't just uncanonize a movie. So I, I'm not going to take Roddenberry's word as, like, the final well, say if, on this stuff. I, I had heard that Roddenberry said it was. And I guess he would be the person, right? I, I didn't know he went back and forth. I yeah, it, it's there are contradictory quotes about it, you know. Yeah. So, so that, that's the thing. But, but all that to say, I bring up the animated series because when you include the animated series in these star dates, mm-hmm. you get to, you get some really wacky problems because you think ten years after, or not ten years—that's the motion picture—about five years after the original series, you know, they would they would have some gauge of okay, guys, like let's start the star dates here, right? And then not go back any further. But that is not the case because the first star date recorded on this list is the Magics of Megas Two, which is the episode where they go to the center of the galaxy and meet uh, well Lucifer, basically. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> and, and that is star date twelve fifty four point four. 
All right, that is the eighth episode of the first season of the animated series, and it is before anything else in Star Trek canon uh, as far as star dates go, you know, because they didn't use star dates on Enterprise. So, where Nomad has gone before is the next star date, and it's 1312.4. Okay. So that it's like I understand at the time they could I don't I don't know they didn't have like a list they didn't have a whole staff of researchers when they wrote these episodes of the animated series but I find it amusing that the, the that this episode takes place before the entirety of the original series it's like and clearly I don't care what kind of mental gymnastics you can do we as fans do you cannot fit that one in <laughs> you cannot no. fit that one in <laughs> so right from the beginning we were already in trouble right yeah we're already and in then. Trouble. We're pretty good for most of season one. Mm-hmm. Interesting that Cat's Paw, right? And I just want to point these out as we encounter them here because because they actually, sometimes this helps continuity, okay? Because Cat's Paw is Stardate 3018.2, mm-hmm. okay? So that is Chekhov's first appearance in production order because Cat's Paw was the first episode produced for season two and Walter Kang's first episode is Chekhov, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Stardate-wise, that takes place before Space Seed. Okay. Spa- Space Seed was start date 3141.9. So we not a continuity error after all in Star Trek 2, I guess, huh? Wow, look at that. Look at that. So that brings it all together. And so they knew to correct the problem before they even realized they had one. <laughs> That's the genius of it. It's the genius of Star Trek right there, brother. That's incredible. But I, 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 it was funny. I, I wasn't sure where you were going, and I picked up quickly. As soon as you said Walter Koenig, I said, ah, he figured something out with Space Seed. Mm-hmm. Very so well it, done, sir. Very well done. So if Cat's Paw has one redeeming quality, it's the fact that it <laughs> fixes that continuity error in, in Star Trek Two. Mm. And if he boarded at that time, that's very helpful. Um, but he had Montezuma's revenge for a long time then. That's right. He was in the bathroom for a while. <laughs> <laughs> and that's his own story. So, All right. Mm-hmm. So we have uh, another random animated series episode in here. There was kind of a a, a, a cluster of episodes from late season one, early season two, they're kind of all mixed together. But again, the continuity here really doesn't matter because it's the original series. It's very episodic. There's only a couple instances where it does matter. I'll bring this up to, at the end of our conversation. But uh, we have the animated series episode, The Practical Joker, which is the one where the, the computer uh, gets sentience and there's a holodeck, the rec room at the time. There's a inflatable balloon enterprise. It's it's a, it's it's kind of ridiculous, right? But it's, it's in the middle of... Uh, Return of the Archons and Taste of Armageddon, which is fine, but again, you cannot you cannot reconcile the animated series in inside the original series because you have another turbolift on the bridge, you have Lieutenant Eric's, you have Lieutenant Emress, you know, you, you can't do it. Another interesting one, if you put them in Star Date order, though, uh, you have a mock time, right? Uh, that is Star Date thirty three seventy two point seven. That is actually one, uh, well, one. I'm not gonna say one week, but it's one entry before. This side of paradise, which is Star Date thirty four seventeen point three. So Spock goes through all this stuff, and then he meets up with an old girlfriend again, and has all this emotional stuff. It was a, that was an emotional. I don't know how long it was. But that was a that was a rough couple of weeks for Spock. It was if we yeah. go by <laughs> if we go by Star Date order. So yeah. he was <laughs> he he was like a true sailor on leave for those couple of weeks. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Very good. Very good. Um, and, and but then. We have uh, another another random animated series episode, The Slaver Weapon, which is the one with the uh, uh, Kazinti, with the Larry Niven cats and all that. Uh-huh. Uh, that's episode 41 episode. That's start date 4187.3, and that's in the middle of Bread and Circuses and the Doomsday Machine. So just kind of some random adventure. Uh, I do want to say this about that episode. That is the only episode of the original series 
or the animated series, mm-hmm. uh, ignoring the cage, that Kirk is not it. William Shatner is not it. His voice isn't in it. He doesn't appear in it. It's just a shuttle mission with Spock, Uhura, and Sulu. So, foul wow. that away. Maybe maybe they were off doing something. No, because the, they are in both those other episodes. I was going to say, maybe it's one of those episodes where uh, George Decay and Nichelle Nichols were in, but <laughs> Leonard Nimoy was in this one as well. So, it doesn't, it doesn't quite work out that way. But uh, anyway, uh, we do have, uh, I do want to point this out. There was some continuity, at least this way, in the animated series. Mud's Passion, uh, Stardate 4978.5. Uh, it takes place between the Paradise Syndrome and the Enterprise Incident, but it does take place after I, Mud. So that's that one checks out. No, that, no, that, oh, that, no, you're yeah. right. That's a line. Yeah, okay. that's a yeah, good Mud's thing. Mud's Passion. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, gotcha. Mud's yeah. Pa- yeah, so we have Mud's Women sorry. before. Yeah, yeah. For that's the, what I was so thinking. This is that animated. is one of the yeah. rare. Yeah, that's one of the rare cases where continuity matters in the original series. The Harry Mud appearances because yep. in I Mud they mention the events of Mud's Women. I thought that was pretty clever that Chekhov's like, like, who is this guy? And he wasn't here, so it makes sense they explain it to him. So that makes sense. Right. Uh, so the three Mud episodes are in order. So so good job on the animated series. I guess they. They figure things out after a few episodes of, of these crazy orders, and then you have you have a you have a set of episodes from the animated series. You have the Survivor, the Time Trap, Albatross. One of our planets is missing. Yesteryear, more troubles, more tr- uh, more troubles, more troubles. All in between third season episodes of the original series. They're in between the Empath and the Mark of Gideon. And I thought it was interesting that Yesteryear is just kind of thrown in there. Uh, I mean, just that, that's like the episode people consider canon. Like, if you if you question the animated series, people say that's the one that counts, you know. So that one's in there. No real mm-hmm. continuity errors there, other than the obvious. Like, there's two turbolifts on the bridge, and we have really alien crew members, and there's no checkoff. But there were a lot of weeks where there was no checkoff or Sulu or Hura. So that kind of stuff you can overlook the, the crew stuff, I guess, right? Mm-hmm. I think that's easy to look over, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, then there's another. It's like it's weird. It's like they. they it's like they pick gaps of the original series to put these animated series episodes in. You have For the World is Hollow and I've Touched the Sky, and then you have a big break of these episodes. Lorelei's Signal, Ambergris Element, Eye of the Beholder, Beyond the Farthest Star, Infinite Vulcan, Terratan Incident, Once Upon a Planet, and then you get back to the original series, Isn't There Truth, No Beauty. You followed up with the Jihad from the animated series, and then you go back to the Tholian Web. Um, and then you go all the way down to the end of the third season, and actually... Turnabout Intruder is not the last Stardate episode. Actually, All Our Yesterdays is. Uh, that is a, a full 20, looks like about 15 or 20 Stardate points later. So I, I think All yeah. Yesterdays, that would have been a nice, a much better way to end the show than Turnabout Intruder, huh? I think so. Yeah, that would have been a much better way to end the show. <laughs> Finally, the original series is over, Stardate-wise, and you only have four episodes of the animated series that take place after the original series. According to the Stardate, you have How Sharper Than a Serpent's Tooth, Pirates of Orion, Counterclock Incident, and BIM. And BIM is really late. BIM is Stardate 7403.6. And and that's, I don't know if that's a year or what, but the only episode before that is Stardate 6770.3. So there are some animated series inconsistencies there. There are, there are actually six episodes of the original series that do not have Stardates. Six. Mm-hmm. Okay. Would you even care to guess what those might be <laughs> in the original series uh was it devils in the dark was when they started off with a, with the one we just did we talked about i couldn't remember if they had a star date that's but a very it, good guess but no they eventually do have a star date in that did they? yeah it's, i was thinking maybe you know when they when they finally cut when in they come back yeah <laughs> yeah but uh no which ones so there, there's there's really no science to this there, there's that which survives mm-hmm. day of the dove 
Although Day of the Dove, Kirk just say Stardate Armageddon. It's like, oh, how poetic, right? It's like this is a. Was oh, that what he yeah, said? Yeah. This, this is an official okay. military log, right? What if you? What if you're on your Navy ship, Ken? And you put Stardate Armageddon, right? And I was like, people are gonna be like, what are you doing, man? This is this is not proper. The log keeping. Yeah. Well, I, I, well somebody said it, it better be. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be for that guy. Right? It's going to be for that guy. Anyway, yeah. uh, so so those two. Then Assignment Earth, which which I guess kind of makes sense since that was a backdoor pilot for that other show. So they were like probably mm-hmm. didn't want to even confuse themselves. And I thought this was interesting. Omega Glory. Oh. I don't know if that's a carryover from when that was one of Roddenberry's initial ideas, right? Because that's one of the set of episodes they were thinking about to start the show with. Maybe he hadn't figured mm-hmm. that out then, but then Mirror Mirror, okay, I guess they didn't have a chance to do a uh, a star date thing in there that they could have done. I like how they did in yesterday's Enterprise. It was like military date combat log kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I guess they could have done something similar with Mirror Mirror, but they, they just they didn't go there. So Mirror Mirror has no star date. And also, City on the Edge of Forever has no star date. Oh, wow. I think there might be a Captain's Log where Kurt's like star date, doesn't matter unknown. or there no start date unknown or something yeah like he that. says something yeah. because he's like time we've been erased from existence like he makes a point yeah there is no star date although just because the enterprise is gone doesn't mean there's no star date but that being as it may those are uh the six episodes of the original series that don't have star dates which is some iconic episodes there so i'm surprised now i'm not sure, counting yeah. the cage either there's no starting in the cage they hadn't thought that stuff through then but that's kind of doesn't really count you know uh so i mean nobody wrote in to ask gene what they were you know, <laughs> I guess not. Are, well, know. and then you know, part of it, part of the deal with the star dates was right. They didn't want to say what year Star Trek took place in. You know, yep. there's a lot of discontinuity about that, right? It's like tomorrow's yesterday. I'm going to lock you up for 200 years. Like oh, that'll be just about right. Or with Khan, right? You've been asleep for 200 mm-hmm. years. It was really 300, right? They hadn't thought that through. And then like there's Squire Gothos, where they, it's implied that it's 800 years in the future, <laughs> which is way off. Right. Um, so those are some of your star date inconsistencies there now you know they're only and we were talking about how episodic the journal series is there's only a few instances where it really matters what order you watch tos in like like we talked about the harry mudd stuff those three episodes right. matter they all they all reference each other right another one is uh dagger of the mind is the first time we see spock do a mind meld so they make a big deal about that and they explain it like oh this is a very you know they they'd never seen him do that before this is a very personal right. thing so you got to watch that one theoretically right before you watch any of the other ones not a deal breaker but you know it makes more sense that way right. um, balance of terror obviously you got to watch that one before deadly years or enterprise incident because you see the Rymelins for the first time this is a I had to think about this one because you, you probably wouldn't I, you know this is not an obvious one right but what are little girls made of right they mentioned Kirk's brother Sam and he dies in Operation Annihilate so right. I mean that one should you know should take place before the other one yes um, because you know he he it would be more awkward if they brought him up uh, if he was deceased and then I guess really the only other thing was uh, they mentioned crossing the galactic barrier before. I think so, like, by any other name, right, they go through the galactic barrier again, mm-hmm. and they had mentioned going in there before, so that, that would obviously be after when no man has gone before. But anyway, so this is just very minutiae. We're talking about a TV show here, Ken, that showed, like, the the second pilot with a totally different cast and aesthetic as the third broadcast episode. So at the end of the day, does any of this really matter? <laughs> well, to, I, I mean, first of all, I give a lot of credit to, to, the, to the person here, it's, it's. I'm just looking to see. There's no name identified. Yeah, I, I looked. I, I looked because yeah. I wanted to give him credit, but I could not see like who it was by. But yeah, the Star Trek list guy. Yeah, that that's incredible. Um, 
you know, just, just to capture that data and then to go back and figure out, well, to list it all, then put the actual air dates in there and then put it in chronological order by star date, which, you know, it, it's not too, too far off. It really isn't. Uh, you know, as, as I say, some, sometimes you're better lucky than good. Uh, but it, it's <laughs> it's one of those things, man. It, it's what I, I, I love about Star Trek. And sometimes I, I raise my one eyebrow with and it's like, man, you know, people have got some time on their hands. Um, but it's fascinating. And, and um, you know, like I said, I, I give if it's a team of people that, that work for this blog or whatever. Well done. Really well done. Hmm. I mean, color-coded and everything. When these yeah. folks see the list, you'll be able to see what series where and, and how it goes. And, and so were they consistent when you leave TOS World with the rest of the series where they had star dates? Were they all in order? Well, that, that's a very good point, Ken. Let, 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 we, we, can, we can jump over the wall as we're prone to do for, for a few minutes here. I won't tell. And, and uh, TNG Season 1 is the main problem. Okay. Uh, because uh, if, if you look at Season 1... Big marker there, Tasha Yar dies and Skin of Evil, you know. And mm-hmm. that is Stardate 41601.3. Okay. Right. Uh, but there are a couple of episodes that she is featured in which take place after that. Angel One, mm-hmm. The Battle, are both episodes that take place after that. And she's, you know, she's dead. <laughs> you know, uh, Big Goodbye as well. So those three episodes of the uh, Next Generation Season 1, if you, if you watch those and start it, or you're really going to be confused because you think, you know, Tasha Yar is just back at her post, you know, as if nothing happened. Right. So, uh, but after that, after that, TNG and uh, D Space Nine really, and, and Voyager and all them, they, they really did, they kept a pretty good system because actually in, in the TNG Writer's Guide, uh, uh, the initial one, uh, this is the quote that they, they dictated to the writers about start dates. They said, quote, a start date is a five digit number followed by a decimal point and one more digit. Example, 41254.7. The first two digits of the star date are always 4-1. The 4 stands for the 24th century. The 1 indicates the first season. The additional three leading digits will progress unevenly through the course of the season from 000 to 999. The digit following the decimal point is generally regarded as the day counter. Uh, yeah. But because of those issues in early TNG, they, they ended up revising it a bit more. And so they, they got really specific here, uh, I think around the fifth season here. And this is where the quote comes from for the next writer's guide. A star date is a five-digit number followed by a decimal point and one more digit. Example, 4625-4.7. The first two digits of the star date are 4-6. The 4 stands for the 24th century. The 6 indicates the sixth season. The following three digits will progress consecutively during the course of the season. 000 to 999. The digit following the decimal point counts tenths of a day. Stardate 45254.4, therefore, represents the noon hour on the 254th day of the fifth season. Because stardates in the 24th century are based on a complex mathematical formula, a precise correlation to Earth based dating systems is not possible. So there you go. Okay. That's the final word on start eight skin. <laughs> there it is. That's why I went from four digits to five, huh? Mm-hmm, exactly. So, uh, so yeah, you know, I, I, I enjoy dipping into that minutia, you know, That's from cool. time to time. Yeah. I, I will never, I joke about it, but I will never watch Star Trek in, uh, <laughs> in order of, <laughs> of star date, I don't think. So, huh. Well, there are, and I was just looking through the list. I do only see one star date where they're 
two points behind two two uh yeah code of honor of all things has really? a star date of 0.25 Okay. I don't see any other with two decimals or two decimal. I, you know. I remember. I, re, I remember. Um, maybe it was early. Let me let me scroll. We're scrolling back through these lists here. I'm looking at it now. But um, that's the only one I see. God, oh. I want to. I want to say it might have been like the Man Trap or Enemy Within or, or you know when they were doing star dates like past tense. You know, mm. my my duplicate was running around the ship unknowns to us. Right when they hadn't figured out if it was like real time or post time. I know there were some episodes of early TOS or, or maybe just in there somewhere. I don't. I don't recall. Because these are just the initial starts of the episode where, where they had two decimal points after. I don't know where those would be, but... Uh... Huh. Well, like I said, I saw Code of Honor, and then Relativity for Voyager has three digits beyond the decimal. Really? Yeah. That's interesting. Is mm-hmm. that... Okay. Wow. Well, that one's about time ships and time travel and the time cops. Well, so isn't, isn't every episode yeah. of Voyager something else? <laughs> that's very true. Oh, did I say that out loud? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Doesn't mean I don't like Voyager. I just... It's kind of a... Uh, time travel was their thing. <laughs> yeah, if, if there was Borg ever a show, it would be called Time Track, right? That would be called the Time Boy Track with the show. Borg, I think. Time Track with the Borg. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I am glad that the Kelvin timeline kind of cleaned things up, you know, as far as the star dates go, because this is a, this is a confusing mess, which, you know, but it's a lot of fun, you know, when you're a fan and you're trying to make these things work. Like I, I do not know how you could honestly how you could wedge in the animated series inside the original series. I mean, there are some radical changes to the ship, but you always say, "Oh, it's a, it's a, they got refit or something. They had some crew changes. They added a turbo lift, you know, whatever." Uh-huh. Uh, but just later, like not in the middle of yeah, they added that turbo lift and they took it out and they put it back in. <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't think that's what's going on there. But uh, but yeah, it's it, it's fun to it's fun to try and, and make this tapestry of Star Trek work, uh, especially like. When, when you know that they had no plan or no foresight about any of this, you know, <laughs> to make these pieces try to work together that never should work together in the first place, it's fun. It's a fun exercise, I think. It, it is. It is a fun exercise. And, um, you know, it reminds me of, and I was, I was looking it up because in the Navy, you did everything by Julian date, you know. So it, you, you always had the, the exact day of the year versus the month, and I'm was trying to get a uh, an example cuz it's been mm-hmm. that long since since I've done it but um it it's you know I'm trying to see if I if I had a good calendar here but I mean the day is always mar- you don't capture the month you capture the day and then the year I don't know if the year's on the front end or the back end but okay. you know like June 1st is 152 you know and it could be in this case you know uh 18 to uh, 152 you know, would have been June 1st, 2018, something along those lines. But they, they always used a Julian date. And mm-hmm. um, and so I kind of thought maybe uh, back when I was a, a young person in the service that that might have been where Star Trek got the concept of it. But um, they never referenced that. They never say, oh, we took Julian dates and, and did anything with it. And, you know, we heard the explanation that you wrote in the writer's guide. But it does kind of follow that logic a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I, 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 there's something that about Star Trek though where I'm glad we have at least that because you know if you if you look at any like Star Wars references, mm-hmm. everything is like A B Y or B B Y, and that's after the Battle of Yavin or before the Battle of Yavin. And I have the, no uh, idea what you're talking. About. <laughs> well, that, no clue. That, that the Yavin Four is where the Death Star, where the Rebel base was in, in Episode Four of Star Wars, uh-huh. and and that's and that's the Battle of Yavin where they blew up the first Death Star, right? Right. 
and that is the only point of reference for anything Star Wars because you know it's a long time ago and a galaxy far far away you know so there's really no scale or judge or anything other than that and you know and in Star Wars they're like in the first one they're like oh it's only three or four more seasons or we've had this joy for a whole season or something that's I'm like oh is this some kind of alien Hmm. measure of time on Tatooine or in this galaxy you don't know but nobody says like years or or anything there are a thousand generations right people say that in Star Wars so they keep it very vague over there yeah uh, and and it could be on a calendar but when everything's in upside down crooked triangles and Klingon (laughs) it's really hard to read that's that's Star Wars language man it it is man even when R2 talks and you know it's up on the screen with in front of Luke I'm like huh (laughs) you know it is it is very uh, unique, and I, I'm I'm guessing that there must be somebody out there who, just like Klingon became a real language, has deciphered and come up with a um, a, a Star Wars alphabet. There has oh, to I'm be. Oh, I'm sure one. the people. I'm sure people have tattoos of it. I'm, I'm sure. sure it's all I'm the sure. rage there. But yeah, but then yeah. you know you have like uh, it just this just reminds me like like Battlestar Galactica where they mm-hmm. like kind of made up words. Mm-hmm. You know, like I know in the reboot, frack stayed around. Right, that's everybody's favorite. Yeah, that was a great word, word, yeah. But there's other ones, too, like in the original show from the 70s, like, oh, looks like three or four Quatloos or something. I know Quatloos is a Star Trek thing. but they would say Felga Carb instead of, you know. Instead of feet or something. I'm like, okay, it sounds so ridiculous, but I at least appreciate what they're doing there, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, they changed everything. Felga Carb (laughs) and Frack were both swear words that could be easily deciphered into English that, you know, allowed it to stay on TV. But you're right, they... (laughs) They did have a different. I forget what they. It wasn't parsecs, but which is a real thing. But it, they they did. You're right. They did have different terms for range and things like that. You're, when you're when I was right. a kid, I thought kilocams was something that Star Trek made up for the Klingons. You know, in Star Trek Three, where they're like, he's like, yeah, ten thousand kilocams. I was like, is that real? Like, is this is this a Star Trek measurement? Does kilocams exist in the real world? Uh, apparently, it does. But I, I I thought that's something they had just invented. Like, oh, the Klingons had this on unit of measurement so so good on him for tricking a young me who my american eurocentric mind thought that was an alien <laughs> term of measurement so uh, i i'm guessing it probably was and then by accident they found out that it was yeah. <laughs> because why would the klingons use it and not the humans right is that uh you know i gotta i'm gonna look that up now um, I, I I never knew that was a real measurement. I, I thought you know I thought it was. I, I maybe spoke out of turn. Let's let's this is live. This is live standard urban unplug guys. I'm gonna look this up. <laughs> hey, um, enjoy these uh, moments. I am now. This is the one percent where I'm wrong sometimes, guys. Um, Boy, could it be twice? Could it know. be? Well, I, I'm gonna stick with. I don't, there's highly doubtful I'm wrong twice in one day, Ken. Let's. That, it is high. Yes, the odds are infinitesimal. <laughs> I, okay, so I'm on memory alpha now. Kelecam. A Kelecam was a Klingon unit of measurement. This okay. unit of measurement was intended at a planetary scale and was insignificant for interstellar measurement. Uh, okay. Well, I Whatever. guess I guess they did make it up. So I thought they did. I'm sitting here going, uh, do I now come off like an idiot? I, <laughs> when you, I saw you're like, you kind of had a blank expression there. I'm like, oh, man, I might be wrong about this. So. Well, I'm, I'm just, I was trying to think because you said, you know, U.S. Eurocentric, and I'm thinking, mm-hmm. uh, well, I— I've never heard the term, you know, I was just driving in China. Uh, <laughs> everything's in kilometers over there. Um, How many kilocams is Beijing from Shanghai? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, uh, I don't know about that. Oh, but, boy. Uh, you know, well, whatever. We'll say you're wrong there, and uh, we'll, we'll, we'll find out about that star date on some movie poster somewhere. I'm telling you, but okay. Well, there you have it, guys. Uh, 
It's been fun talking about star dates and units of measurement in the Star Trek universe. But that's not all we're doing this week on Trek FM. Here's a quick look at what else is going on elsewhere on the network. Previously on Trek.FM, Standard Orbit. It has no opposable appendages, so I'm not sure how it, like, stole the pump. But that, be that as it may. Without damaging it. Yeah, it's per- in perfect condition. Oh, yeah, here it is back. No acid burns on it. Yeah, it's fine. You know? Just like you unscrewed it from the thing, you know, really carefully. And Anyway, because this is a good episode, we're going to let that go. This is a bad episode. We'd be like, this is so stupid. Earl Grey. Did I have a feeling we had we talked about Echo Paca, uh, Papa 607, didn't we? We, ta- oh, we didn't yes, talk we did. about it on a... Well, we were talking about it a little bit before we started recording on the role-playing one. Right. Oh, that's right. That's what you were thinking of. Okay. Little secret thing our listeners didn't hear. <laughs> All right, 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 right. Because <laughs> you had like your your camera drone that was showing us the dice rolls that you had, and you called it Echo Papa Six Hundred Seven. <laughs> that's right. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> I know you do these things, and you're like, "Did we record that? Did listeners hear that?" <laughs> I was like, "I remember that." I was like, "I don't." Re- I was like, it, "Was it was it a character?" No, <laughs> no, <So>. no. <laughs> Literary treks. So this, of course, leads to a whole bunch of weird temporal shenanigans and paradoxes and that sort of thing as they figure out what they have to do to change history so that they don't it doesn't turn out like it does in the alternate future in book two, but at the same time not changing their past history so that they're not destroyed with the rest of the universe and oh my god i've gone cross-eyed <laughs> warp five they've determined that they have to get to the guardian of the galaxy guardian of, the galaxy. <laughs> guardian of forever oh my goodness <laughs> they we can work to... in the guardians of the galaxy into it could work that would just be crazy <laughs> they have to work in the guardian of forever because somehow the guardian of forever is actually was created by the Temporal Cold War people. And that's what else is happening on Trek.fm. So check out these shows and find out what we're talking about in your favorite corner of the Star Trek universe and beyond. You'll find us wherever you get your podcast. If you're an Apple user, get the show on iTunes or the Apple Podcasts app. Be sure to hit the subscribe button. That helps us out greatly and makes it easier for other listeners to find the show. If you're not an Apple user, we've got you covered as well. You can find our shows on Stitcher, TuneIn, Speaker, SoundCloud, Windows Phone, and of course, you can stream and download the MP3 file from our website and grab the RSS link as well. If you would like to get in touch with us here at Trek FM, you can always find us on trek.fm slash contact and look in the sidebar on the show page. Or you can go to speakpipe.com slash trek.fm and please leave us a voice message. You can also contact us through Twitter at trek.fm Facebook at facebook.com slash trekfm, and the Babel Conference. Type the Babel Conference, that's B-A-B-E-L, into the search field on Facebook, or go to our website at trekfm and click Discussion on the menu bar. Another way you can help us keep all of our shows coming to you each week is to become a patron of the network on Patreon. If you visit patreon.com slash trekfm, that's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash trekfm, you'll find our current goals and different milestone contribution levels along with all the great perks we have for you. These perks include early access to content, exclusive content, producer credits, seats on our content development team, and more. We really appreciate any support you can give us and hope you'll join the team. Again, you'll find the details at patreon.com slash trekfm. 
Speaking of Patreon, thank you as always to our associate producers for Standard Orbit. They are Norman C. Lau, Nick Anastasio, Tim Robertson, Richard Marquez, Corey Elrod, and Dan Rhodes. You guys, uh, your, your contributions, your help, your support mean the world to us, and we appreciate you being associate producers on Standard Orbit. So to find me on the interwebs, you can find me on the Babel Conference. I'm there all the time. Or you can find me on Twitter at BostonSCPO. As for me, you can find me on Twitter at MoronZach. That's M-O-O-R-E-O-N-Z-A-C-H. And I'm also the host of my own podcast, Always Holding on the Smallville, where we talk about each and every episode of that Young Superman show. You can find us on Twitter at AlwaysMallville with one S. You can find me on Twitter. I am at Trekkie01D. Celebrating Trek Tuesdays. That's tomorrow, everybody. Wear your Trek. <laughs> yes, and use the hashtag Trek Tuesday. So thanks, everyone, for listening, and join us again next time here on Trek FM for another episode of Standard Orbit.